Good morning and Merry Christmas. Um, so I'm not saying that we're competitive around here or anything, but for those of you that thought today would be a good, good day to bring visitors, Miss Carolyn's done whooped all of you. <laughs> She's filled up a whole pew back there. So y'all got to do better. If you're going to keep up, if you're going to play this game, you're going to have to do better, all right? Um, thankful for each one of you here this morning. Uh, so many reasons abounding that would have made it easy to stay home. Uh, the holiday, I know that a uh, whole lot of debates going on. A lot of people canceled their church services, and just something I can't wrap my mind around is why you would cancel church on Christmas Day, that'd be like canceling it on Easter or something, you know. Anyway, uh, temperatures, busyness of life. So with that in mind, uh, we're going to keep this kind of short, but it's going to be important. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures that everyone here is intimately familiar with. And then the title of our message will be, Why? Now, this is not for those of you, as you might think, when you saw that I was given the message, the first thought in your mind came was, why? (laughs) Uh, But it's because the world around us has no idea why. And unfortunately, the majority of what calls itself the evangelical church has forgotten why, or at least no longer acknowledges why, other than just in words. That's how come they can just cancel church services on Christmas Day or any other day for that matter. Uh, Like I said, I'm going to keep this kind of short, but trust me, there's nothing that you or I or anyone else on this planet needs to hear more than what is going to be said here this morning. All right? So we're looking at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And I'm assuming that some of you may have this memorized. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make a, her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take thee Mary, unto, unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. 
and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Let's pray. Father God, once again, we thank you so much for this day. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the uh, privilege, the opportunity. And most of all, Father, we thank you for the desire to be found in your house this morning. We know that all those things are gifts from you. Father, as we uh, expound on your word this morning, may the word spoken be attended to by you, Holy Spirit. May they bring forth the fruit that you would have it to bring forth. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So, this morning we have sung songs about the birth of Christ. We have read scriptures detailing the events surrounding the birth of Christ. And the goal this morning is to have you walk out of here, back to your festivities and your family stuff and all that, but to do so with one question on your mind, one question that will lay everything out and bring the right focus to all that this season brings. And the question is why? Why would Jesus come? Why the virgin birth? Why God incarnate? Why was Jesus born? Surely it's not enough for us to just remember a nativity. Surely it's not enough to remember the birth of a child some 2,000 years ago without thinking about the life that followed and what that birth and life and death meant. We were never meant to view the birth of Christ as an event in isolation. 
Jesus did not come to establish a holiday. The birth of Christ was simply the next step forward in God's redemptive plan, which was established before time ever even began. Now, you know this, we all know this, but we are surrounded by so many voices, so many tra traditions, so many things to do, all of which cause us, tend to cause us to forget that Christ's existence did not begin in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ had no beginning, just as he has no ending. He always was and he always will be. All the busyness that causes us to forget why he came, which is the only reason that we should be celebrating at all. And so it's good for us to remember that Jesus' existence did not begin in Bethlehem in a manger. He always was. John chapter 6 and verse 38 is a verse that might help us to understand a little better. Jesus says in John 6, 38, says that he came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. The next step, this next step in the eternal plan of God, a continuation of his existence, but with human flesh added to it. Why? Why would he do that? Well, fortunately, Jesus never leaves us in the dark about why he's doing something or why he did something. The scripture always gives us all the answers. So if such a momentous event was going to take place, say something like the Son of God coming down from heaven, as he said he did, or miraculous conception in the, in the womb of a virgin uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and then that child goes through the normal gestational period and is born. And then he lives an absolutely perfect and sinless life for 30 plus years. Goes to a cross, is buried, and then he is resurrected. That's a pretty momentous series of events, wouldn't you say? Pretty miraculous life, isn't it? Now, if something that magnificent is going to take place, if something that amazing happens, then surely when Jesus finally got around to his public ministry after living in obscurity for 30 years that we know of, I mean, as far as we know, he was unknown for about 30 years, surely he would have said something about why he did it. And so we're indeed blessed that he did not leave, leave us to doubt or to mindless speculation why this great event of his incarnation took place, and Scripture tells us plainly. Jesus spoke of it often, and this is the relevant relevance of this day. This is the relevance of this day. This is the reason for the season 2,000 years later, and it is because you and I are, sin are as sinners before a holy God. Here we stand as creatures who have rebelled against our Creator. We have broken His law. We have lied. We've been guilty of adultery, either in act or in thought. Cursed. Ignored the command to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And on and on and on and on. We don't have to make a list, but we all know that it's true. So how... Does this incarnation relate to us? Well, apparently it would make sense 
that if God were to become a man, that somehow it would have something to do with humanity. He didn't become something else. He became a man. So it had something to do with humanity. Evidently, it was directly relevant to the human condition that he would become a man. But what did Jesus say about it? Matthew 20 and 28. Jesus said, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. That his life. Why did he come? That his life would be a ransom payment for those in bondage to sin. That's why he came. Again in Luke 19.10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. There's a saving purpose to this incarnation. He came to seek sinners in order to save them, to save those who are lost like you and I. And again, in 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners, which he follows up with, of whom I am chief. From the greatest sinners to the least of them, over and over again in the New Testament, it says that Christ came on a mission a mission to save sinners from their condition, to save them from the judgment and the wrath of God. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Somehow, somehow, Jesus' purpose in coming was directly related to removing that wrath of God from upon sinners like you and me. So why was he born? He was born so that his life could be offered on a cross for you. So that his life could be given, offered as a sacrifice to satisfy the justice of God. Now, we often mention or hear preached that we have all broken God's law and that our violations of God's law leave us subject to judgment, leaves us under divine condemnation. Do we really understand just exactly what that means? We're so used to sin. We drink it down like water, as Paul Washer says. Like a fish doesn't know it's wet. We're so used to it that we don't know what it's like to be anything else. Sin is used for entertainment on the TV and the radio. It has become so common that I think we tend to trivialize it and minimize it. I mean, if it's that common, how bad could it actually be? hear the justification all the time. Well, we're just human. Well, think of it like this. Maybe for the first time in your life. If an eternal God gives us an eternal law that you then break, the only fitting punishment 
the only fitting punishment that would correspond to that would have to be an eternal punishment, eternal in duration. An eternal God with an eternal law must have an eternal punishment to satisfy his eternal justice. God cannot simply overlook sin. We've spoken much about this as we've been studying through the book of Romans in Sunday school, so you've heard me say this multiple times. God cannot simply overlook sin. doesn't work that way. God cannot simply overlook your sin, even though you might treat it casually, like it doesn't matter, even though the world laughs with you in drunken revelry, even though it's on prime time and is posed as normal lifestyles. God doesn't see it that way. God's view of it is completely different. Justice must be upheld. Your crimes must be punished. And so there we are, all of us guilty before God. There is none righteous, no, not one. None who does good, not even one. Scripture is emphatic that our sins have made a separation between us and our God. And so tying all of that back into this blessed incarnation that we're celebrating today, Back to the wonder of our Lord, tying it back to the virgin birth, which gave rise to this human Savior, this God-man who saves us, and taking everything at its proper face value at the cross, where this baby, this baby would one day go. At the cross, God imputed the guilt of sinners upon Christ as he hung there on that cross. Punished him even though he was sinless. Punished him as though he had committed every sin of every one of his people. That's us. Why? Why did Christ come? That's why. The life of this babe in the manger would culminate at a cross where he would lay down his sinless, pure, holy, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heaven's life. That he would lay that down. Offer it up on a cross on your behalf. If you are a Christian, doesn't that make you want to sing about that? Not about jingle bells. And the nonsense? Doesn't the fact of such a measurable grace call you to joy? That's the joy to the world. Not gifts and financial stability and all that. Call you to praise? Christ voluntarily offered his life for that very purpose. The reason that Christ did this was out of his own love for his people. This day we celebrate, this memorial to the incarnation was just day one. Just the first day of his 33-year march to Calvary.
followed by three hours of infinite darkness on his soul when the father turned away from him and God's wrath was poured out on him. All of it was done out of love for those of us who know him. Where do we even begin to measure that kind of mercy and love and grace and kindness? How do we even begin to show our appreciation when the mere comprehension of that selflessness is beyond us? Can you see what we've done? We've turned the celebration of the most selfless act in all recorded history into a holiday that celebrates everything but selflessness. The selfless love of Christ is beyond us. Where do you begin? Because you and I are not like that. Scripture tells us we're not like that. It says that a man will scarcely give his life for a good man. But God manifested his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Knowing. He did this knowing that you would be a rebel. Knowing that you would turn your back time and again. Knowing that you would put your fingers in your ears when you heard the gospel preached and harden your heart against it again and again. Knowing all of that was still future. Christ went to that cross. Here's the interesting part. Christ went to that cross and by name, thinking of you and me who are Christians, thinking of us whom he chose before the foundation of the world, in some marvelous way, in the realm of the infinite mind of Christ, he thought of us as he did that. This was not just some random blob of desire thrown out for sinners in general to be saved. He laid his life down for his sheep, his sheep. He laid down his life for his people by name. That's what we should be celebrating. That's why we sing these songs that we sing. That's why he came. So that the punishment that should be ours would fall on him. And the righteousness that was his could be imputed to us. So that there would no longer be a separation between us and the Father. No longer be a judgment against our account. So that we could be declared fully and completely forgiven. Declared righteous in the eyes of God. So that we can now boldly approach the throne of grace. All because of our great Savior and his sinless life and perfect death on that cross. That act of divine love for his people saying, I will save them. I will redeem them to the uttermost. Nothing will depend on their righteousness at all. 
Nothing will depend on our righteousness at all because we don't have any. Christ steps into that void, that lack of righteousness that we have, that empty space where righteousness should be. He steps into that space, and he supplies for us the righteousness we need in order to approach a holy God for our sins to be forgiven. That is why we tie the manger to the cross. There is a direct linear line from Bethlehem to Golgotha. But it doesn't end there. It carries on through the resurrection and through the outworking of God's eternal saving purposes so that you and I would one day be saved. And he told us that he came down from heaven to do that. There's no way for us to ever comprehend how disparate his preexistent glory was compared to him walking on this earth with people who hated him and mocked him and cursed him without even a place to lay his head. You see how selfless his love is, how wonderful and magnificent his love is. It's not like our love. It always comes with conditions and demands. This was a totally selfless act for Christ to do. And why did he do it? Because he is love. Because he is grace. Because he is mercy. Because there is no one in all the universe like our Lord Jesus Christ. really should have preached this on Halloween because that's when Christmas starts at my house. Maybe I would have done things differently. Maybe not. Don't know. But ask why. Think in retrospect of all your planning thus far. And all your plans for the remainder of today. Why am I celebrating? Ask why. Why the virgin birth? Ask why. Why songs of glory? Why this wonderful time to remember? Why? Because you were guilty and could not save yourself. And because Christ loved you enough to do something about it at the cost of his own life. Not just his death, his entire life. It was an act of love, an act of mercy, an act of grace. That's why. Jesus is the reason for the season. Everybody knows that. Guess what? He's also the reason for all of our yesterdays and all of our todays and all of our tomorrows. Whether we acknowledge that fact or not, he is still the reason. The only reason, the only hope, and the only true joy that we will ever know. 
So as you leave here today, ask why. Why did you even bother to come here today when there were so many other things you could have done? Ask why. Why was he born? Why am I doing the things I am doing and calling it Christmas? Why did he choose me for salvation? It's because he loved you with an everlasting love. That's why. Because there was nothing more important to him than fulfilling the will of his father. So that the father might receive the glory that is due to him alone. That's why. So now if you're here today. And this message has struck something within you. If you are not saved. This is another gift from God. This is your gift from God. In his mercy and grace, he is right now offering you an opportunity to repent, to turn from your sins and to trust in Christ alone, and to know that all your evil deeds can be completely forgiven. You can walk out of this room today knowing that God will never hold them against you if you will just receive Christ and bow the knee before him. Because that's why he came. That is the reason that he came. For sinners just like you and just like me. For you to come to him and he will give you a new life. He will, for, he will give you forgiveness of sins. He will give you a gift of perfect righteousness and wash you and cleanse you in a permanent, eternal way. And make you into someone new. He's building a place. He is Right now, he is building a place. He's been working on it for a couple thousand years. If he did the whole universe in seven days, what can he build in 2,000 years? He's building a place. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. He's building a place for all of his people. And he will gladly welcome you there too. Why? It's why he came. Let's pray. Father God, words are not enough. All that we can do is not enough. To show our appreciation for the gift that you have given us. Gift that not only did we not deserve, we deserve the exact opposite. Father, as humbly as we know how, we do thank you so much for the gift of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would go with us as we go out these doors today. That we would take you we would take Jesus, that we would take the, the promise and the hope that we have for eternity 
out into a lost and dying world. And that we would celebrate the reason why. And leave off all the other nonsense. Father, we just ask now that uh, whatever we do, whatever we say, keep us safe, protect us. May, our, may your light shine forth through us, that all that we meet might see you and be drawn to you. These things I ask in the precious name of Jesus.